0: Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys sit back, sip on some bourbon, and talk openly about what they think is going to happen with the real estate market. All while enjoying wild turkey, long branch, small batch bourbon. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Mile High Perspective, Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli. Today, I'm here with
1: Jameson Amoros. What's happening, guys?
0: And uh, as you guys can tell, we're missing the third leg of our tripod. We uh, held us held this space here with the barrel. Oscar's looking a little thick. Yeah, he's. I, I mean, don't tell him that he's in there. Oh, yeah. yeah so he's we're gonna not going to tell yeah. him. He's going to pop out of the end. Hola, como estas? Oh man, that'd be wonderful. That would be wonderful. <laughs> But uh, honestly, sorry, Oscar guys, Ibarra. <laughs> There we go. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Honestly, I realize that he changes the way he says his last name yes, for every, every episode. Yeah. Throws me off every time. But, Ibarra but Ibarra. We're, we're here. And guys, we are normally three Colorado real estate agents that try and make sense of the real estate market and just real estate terminology for you guys, the consumers. We put our episodes out audio Friday and our video anywhere between Monday and Wednesday every week. So subscribe to our channel, Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. Uh, we have uh, podcast episodes. We have shorts on there. Coming soon, we've been saying it, but we're trying to get our community spotlights together. Weather in Colorado has been a little bit weird over the last month. Uh, so trying or to get Or if you've out.
1: lived here forever, normal. Normal,
0: yeah. Well, and it's funny. I saw, I saw a TikTok video of a guy. He's like, I've lived in Colorado for five weeks now. Here's my review. I was like, oh boy. I've been here for five years.
1: Yeah, my, uh, my brother-in-law <laughs> moved from Ohio mm-hmm. two, two years ago. No, about, about a year ago. And I was at the gym with him. And he goes, dude, so like when do I go to the pool during the week? And I go between the hours of 9 a.m. and 12 p.m. And then you get the fuck out That's it. until about 4 p.m.
0: Then you can go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where we, we can't really predict what's going to go on, right? And ultimately, guys, honestly, today's kind of an uh, episode where we're just going to shoot the shit on the market. Just talk a little bit see about where we think it might go, what's happening. I mean they just came to some kind of an agreement on the debt ceiling so from what Colin told me our, our lender you guys know Colin from from past episodes he was like, oh yeah the market the, the rates are already trending down all right <laughs> I mean dude it's so you can pick
1: picking a prediction on the housing market is like shooting fish in a barrel Hold okay it out. There it is. there's a thousand of them. Depending on who you talk to, what data they're looking at, and I think the the overall theme that we've talked about is you can make predictions, and sometimes they're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was researching earlier is if you guys remember back in January, I think when we came back on the on the uh, the podcast for the first time, we did a market update, yep. and at that point, it was almost a unanimous consensus from Zillow, from NAR, from Moody's Analytics, from Forbes, you name it, saying, hey, here's the deal interest rates where they're at are going to lead to a price decline mm-hmm. of on average anywhere from minus 1 to almost 10 to 15% loss in all of 2023. That was in January, yeah. right? Yep. And mm-hmm. the funny part is, and this is why I just think it's 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 important to get multiple opinions. Everybody's looking at the same data, right? Mm-hmm. But the way they interpret it's different because in my head when those predictions came out, my thought went to well, we don't have enough houses still. Yep. So there's got to be upward pressure on home prices because there's just not enough. Interest rates were high, mm-hmm. right? They were at six, seven, five, six, eight, five, seven. And the consensus of the overall thinking was well, they'd have to get down to like the high fives, yep. mid to high fives for people to come back to the market. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fast forward if to only. spring, what happened was we found this weird sweet spot where as soon as rates went under six and a half, all of a sudden, mortgage applications went up 23%. And it's like, well, wait a Wild. second. Wild. That's still extremely expensive. But you wouldn't know that, mm-hmm. and you couldn't know that. You could predict it, but you couldn't know it until it actually happened. And then all of a sudden, we're like, wait, why are we getting multiple offer situations yeah. on a $500,000 home at a 6.5% when it, well, we didn't have that at a
0: 675 And it's so crazy because, you know, it, you, hear, you see a lot of the thumbnails on YouTube, all, you know, news, the market's going to crash due to this. But, again, this how scared people are there, but... Again, it just proved. Take time to regulate. People got used to those higher interest rates, and then they were like, "You know what? I can deal with this. I can manage." And they're still buying. And maybe not in states like ours, where let's be honest, the home prices are still pretty elevated. Yes, and it did come down though. They did. They're down. It, oh yeah, definitely. I they're mean, down. I know last we year, went from six
1: hundred thousand average to about five seventy five. Yeah, I mean, so. even
0: in areas that I was looking at for some clients in Arvada, Aurora, yeah. we're seeing. You know, I didn't see. Anything below three hundred thousand? Mm-hmm. Oh
1: no, you're not going to find anything below.
0: No, and and now and now I'm seeing three fifty to three, yep. maybe some two eighties. But at the same time, it, it's it's better, right? Yep. Um, and uh, as you guys can see, if, if you're watching the video, we got some merch. No, I'm just kidding. My, some my aunt, merch. My aunt's a, a beautiful woman, and and decided to make this shirt for me so I can rep the brand. I like it. And I like it, it a good. lot. It looks good. I like I like the the logo on it. Yeah. I love you. Thank you very much for, for helping me out with, with the shirt situation. Um, and guys, like I said, this is more free form. We're just kind of going to hang out and have a conversation, drink some bourbon today. Um, and on that note, Jameson, you want to, you want to introduce the bourbon? Yeah. So this
1: is kind of fun, right? Uh, we talk a lot about the, um, the mass exodus of people leaving Colorado due to, uh, uh, housing prices and trying to find, you know, different places to live. Um, One of the places people migrate to is Texas. And uh, Long Branch is a Kentucky bourbon that they decided to take to Texas. Interesting. And mix with some American oak barrels and mesquite charcoal. Mesquite. And kind of make a, they call it where Kentucky and Texas are best friends. Uh, A new, shaking hands. A new bourbon of sort of shaking your tail feather Mm. because it's wild turkey. You know
0: what's really important for new things? Great song, by the way. Shout
1: out Bad Boys for Life.
0: (laughs) What I was going to say is partnerships,
1: and if I remember
0: correctly, we've got a pretty good partnership with this with this bourbon. We do,
1: yeah. The uh, the partnership you guys would never guess, but um, they drove this bourbon mm-hmm. to Texas in a Buick. Oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> they uh, partnered. So the master distiller for Wild Turkey, and give me a second, his name.
0: So that's an that important note to make, though. This is a wild turkey. Product. It is a wild turkey, yes. So again, another another brand that does have more entry level opportunity for people yep. to drink. Yeah, kind it's, of stepping it's in. It's good, good easy brand.
1: Yep. Uh, Eddie Russell. Eddie Russell. Edward, for if you want to be mm. cordial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and allegedly, I didn't know he had this title.
0: Oh, <laughs> the title's great.
1: Cultural tastemaker.
0: All right, all right, all right. Mm. Matthew McConaughey. That's right, baby. That's right. Um I was drinking bourbon. I don't right know before how, they asked me to drink bourbon. I don't know
1: how he got involved. <laughs> I don't know if his Buick broke down on the side of the road they're like, yeah, "Hey, good. here's some wild turkey."
0: <laughs> but here we are. But I mean, he is Mr. Texas, right?
1: Like he is Mr. He, Texas. He taught at Texas yes. University, graduated yes. all. The, yes. And he, he has one for. of the greatest commencement speeches or yes. graduation speeches I've heard. His uh, mm. book is fantastic. Yep. Um so shout out Matthew Conahan. Your Bu- I'll never buy Buick, but <laughs> shout out <laughs> to makes Matthew. Makes sense as to Matthew why he has the title he has. Yeah, right? Right. tastemaker, cultural. T- I don't even know what that means. Cultural tastemaker. So maker. like he just does
0: facilitates he just, the cult culture and how. Like they if
1: look? I give him like a shitty brand of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No digs, I promise <laughs> though. No <laughs> digs there. <but. laughs> we turn turn it in the long branch because yeah. it's Matthew McConaughey yeah. and he has become a cultural tastemaker. Hey man, you know, when when you're when you got the name Matthew McConaughey, you've I been, guess. You've been in some crazy movies. I mean, my you name your ads.
1: is an Irish whiskey, and I haven't seen any sort of royalties from that, so I don't <laughs> I don't, you're I don't right. know. You're right. I don't know. I need to go to Ireland and maybe I'll be, get some free drinks. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. My beer did have red in it, now it's just got some gray, so. It is what it is, but no, I'm excited to try this. It's uh, cost-wise, it's 42 bucks. Not bad. Um, essentially, it's 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 high-class wild turkey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like, if you want something that you know you want to impress the friends and the family, you're not huge into bourbon. Good entry level. We took a, a sip of the neck pour, and it wasn't terrible. No. Um, so I'm excited to kind of let this one breathe and, and sip on it throughout the episode, but. You know, if you don't want to sit there it's and be the, I'm bringing Jack Daniels to every party, yeah.
0: then this well, might I mean, be Well, yeah, a step it comes up. down to marketing, right? We talked about bottle. We talked about presentation. Right. I mean, the fact that this alone is a small batch. Yeah. And so I,
1: I equate it to like, you know, it's wild turkey is me. If I haven't had my beard trimmed or haircut in like six months, yeah. I hit up scissors and scotch. I get cleaned up. Bam. I'm long branch. That's
0: a good, I'm good basically
1: one. the same. I just am more presentable.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like it. It's pretty much whenever I get my hair cut. Exactly. <laughs>
1: It's like I'm a brand new man.
0: But I mean, it, just look at the bottle, guys. In all honesty, the, the the color on this bottle is lighter than any other small batch that we've seen.
1: Well, especially for being aged eight years.
0: Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I mean, it's only at 43%. So you can definitely tell that Wild Turkey was trying to be still the drinkable brand. The, Correct. The brand yeah, they that, want to appeal to the masses. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, just like I said, the color alone, it... It's very light. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very light color. Great amber. Yeah. and Yeah. Well, I, that's the thing. I couldn't even... If I can describe the color to everybody listening, imagine if you took, like, just just a, a brown marker, okay? And you just did, like a, like, a, like, a, like a Crayola marker, and you dipped it in water and held it there for, like, three seconds.
1: So I used to do that, but with highlighters? In nice. empty vodka bottles in my college, oh yeah, 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 yeah for blacklight like parties. yeah <laughs> yep, yep, yep.
0: I know, Yeah, cheese. <laughs> how many? How many? I told you guys in the past that I I made uh, smoking apparatuses out of oh, out right. of them, and I can't tell you how many times I would walk in, and that's what would be yep. in the mm-hmm. uh, oh god, <laughs> college as a placeholder. College. Matthew McConaughey knows. Yes. All right. All right. All right. At UT. Let's go ahead and get this first sip in cheers. Knocking off the coasters, dude. yeah, yeah. The coaster, like <laughs> that's how freeform it is today. I would not even put the coasters nah, out. Off the coaster, <laughs> um, on the nose. That the heat is evident. Um, I remember that you said something about in the tasting notes a little bit more caramel plum. The tasting notes,
1: yeah, caramel plum, apricot, um, spice, hint of oak. Yeah,
0: you know, honestly, on the nose, I can, I can. I can get a little bit of that sweetness.
1: Yeah. Um, from the... The aroma, out. I can get the coffee... Or sorry, not the co- the toffee. Yes. And the
0: vanilla, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, it
1: comes off very drinkable.
0: Yeah. I'll 100%. I mean, that's what they said this was, right? Like a smooth, mm-hmm. just a smooth drinker. It. <laughs> <laughs> Going from the past burps that we've had at 50, um, I feel like this one just kind of starting off with a disadvantage only because it is, it is at 43. Yeah. But I will say on that first sip, as it, as it lingers for a little bit, you do get a little bit more of the sweetness, but in all reality, that first sip is, is very much like charred air, like smoked air.
1: Speaking of charred air, one of the most underrated Matthew McConaughey movies of all time, it's about dragons, Reign of Fire. Charlie's never seen it. I've never seen. Listen, you know what? I'm gonna. We're gonna put the link up. Okay. If you guys haven't watched Reign of Fire, okay, go watch Reign of Fire. It's I- got Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale and dragons and dragons. I'm I'm down. It is it is Game of Thrones, but with like armored tanks. It I'm is down for that. fucking awesome. I'm down for that. <laughs> and McConaughey's shaved bald, neck tattoos, full sleeve tattoos, jacked, and they're in this like the Fucking in Europe Hell after yeah. dragons have taken over, Okay. and there's these small pockets of humanity that are trying to survive. It's so fucking good.
0: Sounds like a good one to drink. So the fact that
1: you to. said "charred air" and uh, dude, <laughs> "rain of fire," go watch it. Rain of fire. I might <laughs> hey, go you, watch bro. it tonight. I love. We, we got oh, you, bud.
0: Yep. Um, and it's one hundred percent just off off the rip. For me, complexity is not really there with the flavor. Definitely gives way to some flavor, but. Again, the lightness of this really shows mm-hmm. through in the flavor, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's one of those bourbons that knows what it is mm-hmm. and is not trying to pretend to be anything else. Yeah, like, well, it's I mean, not forty three bucks. Again, yeah. you pull this up, you,
0: you drive yeah. in, you pull up to a, uh, a guy, somebody's house with it. Looks like a nice bottle.
1: Yeah, I had some. Uh, what was I sipping on last night? Uh, smoke wagon, uncut and filtered. Mm-hmm. Right, so very very. different. What a
0: contrast!
1: Fifty eight percent, almost one hundred and twenty proof. Yeah, uh, very very big difference. Like this. I could drink in a Gatorade bottle while playing soccer. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, 100%. Yeah, and
0: that's what I mean. It's a small batch. Like, Don't do it, that, by the way. No. <laughs> but
1: I'm just saying, based on what we've drinking in the past.
0: Yeah. But it doesn't pretend to be anything else. No. Right? no. I respect it for that, for sure. Especially with, like the remember we had the Breckenridge, the rum mm-hmm. cask? Mm-hmm. And that one felt a little more forced. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we want it to taste like this rather than, yes. hey, this is what it is. Here it is. Um, yeah, like,
1: I did almost pick up a uh, something I've never heard of before. It was a whiskey or bourbon, but it was aged in Caribbean rum casks, and the color was like yellow. Interesting. And I, I was like, mm, "Do I? It's it's. It might be a fuck it episode. Yeah. I went with this instead.
0: Hey, at least it wasn't so. another. At least you didn't bring another brown bag in. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nope. That's no, how no. you. Know, that's when you really know we're getting fucking. No. Right? Yeah. We'll like, yeah, show you the label for right? this one. It's <laughs> but on, on your point, man, and, and to there's a reason that Jameson as a realtor. In the United States, in the state of Colorado, he's drinking 50, 58% bourbon, right? What the hell's going on, man? <laughs> I, dude, I I don't know. I don't know. I, uh,
1: it, it, It's I getting know. wild. It um, is wild. I, I've i talked to people. You've talked to people, mm-hmm. agents, lenders. Listen, nobody knows what the fuck's going to go on. No. Nobody knows what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that the debt ceiling has been a thing since January but it didn't reflect up until recently, shows yeah. that people aren't paying attention. Yeah, The fact that you had the biggest conglomerates of data analytics saying that housing prices were going to drop 5 to 10% on average through 2023, and now, February, March, four, call it five months, four months removed from that, mm-hmm. now Zillow came out, and their prediction is, Home values are actually going to increase by 4.8%.
0: See, and I'd love to, I'd honestly and again, this is a great point as to how, because you know, Zillow, again, Zillow Redfin, these are the things that people see, right? The, the headlines, yeah. the the titles that people know. I would love to see where they gain that data from, only because it's hard for me to think, knowing the market, knowing mm-hmm. what's happening in Colorado right now, that we will see another five percent jump in home prices. So
1: I think. Personally, I I think it is the driving factor. Is supply and demand? That's oh, 100%. that's really all it is, right? Hundred percent. So, I mean, if you look at it, right. So I'm looking at the the, the data from from Ari uh, Colorado, and mm-hmm. this is what is today, Thursday, right? Yep. So this is over the last seven days. Mm-hmm. We had fourteen hundred and twenty one new listings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And most listings come out on Thursdays, yep. so, so that includes today. Yep.
0: Uh, and the reason that is, it's a good time to, to list a property. <clears throat> yeah, on the
1: weekends, yeah. people are out and about shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, but in those same days, we had almost 1,300 houses go pending, right? Mm-hmm. So realistically, in a rolling seven days, we're only gaining 200 some odd units to sell every single week. Wild. So you like home prices can only drop so much. Yeah. Because there's not enough inventory, and that mm-hmm. includes new builds, right? Like, yeah. that includes all the permits that are being pulled. And we, we talked about new build sentiment a couple episodes ago, uh, that has been increasing, mm-hmm. right? And we start to, and we we predicted it actually. Yep. If you guys go back, we said the int- that that uh, the incentives were going to start going away. Mm-hmm. Guess what? They're starting to go away. Yep. Um, but they also can't build houses fast. enough. 100. percent So now what we're seeing is, yeah, interest rates are six eight. Right? Um, mm-hmm. We had some really bad days going up to the debt ceiling. It's in votes now, so as long as it passes, that should well, calm things down. But even in high interest rates, houses are still, 1,400 houses yep. went pending in the last seven days. Mm-hmm. Or say 1,300, and 1,400 came on the market. So yep. for every 1,300 we're selling, we're only gaining another 100. Mm-hmm. And I know there's more than 100 of you motherfuckers out there that are looking to buy a house. Yep, 100%. So, yeah, you can't... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It's not, I don't it, think they're going to drop. And I don't, I thought that prediction was wrong in January. Yeah. I just, I'm trusting obviously the people that have metadata's worth of, of mm-hmm. uh, or meta.
0: Yeah, med, yeah meta, metadata. Yeah. Metadata. Yeah.
1: I, I'm thinking like an amount. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of data showing this. And we saw in April, in Colorado specifically, mm-hmm. home prices actually rose 1.8%, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the consensus, and I pulled this up. So here's just a really quick um, rundown, right? So, NAR, which is the National Association of Realtors, yep. Their chief chief economist, uh, Lawrence Yun, said that um, the sales volume will probably drop yep. by about seven percent year over year in twenty twenty three. Okay. Yep. But your home prices, on average, up to one or two percent yep year over
0: year. Well, and it's so it's so interesting to think too, and it, it, it's the natural it's the natural progression of supply and demand, right? Is if you have a high demand and low supply. Mm-hmm. Almost the only thing that can happen is for prices to rise. Because if you have so many people that are looking to buy, right, you're gonna settle on the price. Exactly. It. Exactly. So in and it's you know it's almost an inverse correlation as you would think about it. Is oh, if if more people are looking to buy and there's not enough houses, then how are the house prices going up? So here, keep keep talking. But about it, it's something. it's it makes more sense that if. There's not a lot of homes and you have more people that are trying to buy, especially in the United States right now and we touched on this before, how people are moving and relocating across the United States pretty regularly because of the uptick in remote work that's been happening. Correct. Yes we've seen so many more people willing to move out of states that they're comfortable in. and unfortunately what that means is a lot of states like Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, mm-hmm. South Carolina, I mean, you're even seen in New Mexico now, us mm-hmm. Colorado. You would think, I mean, before I moved out here, people were going, oh, Colorado is one of the most expensive states in the country. Yeah, but it's not compared to California and Texas. Right. So, or Seattle. Or Seattle, exactly. So or you're Phoenix. seeing people take the opportunity where, hey, I'm sorry, people, you live there and you can't afford it, but I wanna get out and I can't afford it, so I'm gonna move. Well,
1: I think you, you bring up an interesting point, right? Because, and I think what you just touched on is partly why these predictions are all over the place. Mm-hmm. Because previously, before the pandemic, the workforce was static. Yes. So you could predict with pretty high degree of certainty what specific markets were going to do. Because the workforce there was, and we had it, right? Everybody lived in the cities. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then all of a sudden, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, really the 90s probably, the suburbs blew up. Because you had amenities and all the, you know all the baby boomers were having kids Mm -hmm. and these kids needed schools and you couldn't live in the city and work for Wall Street and blah, blah, blah and also raise a kid. So now people went to the suburbs, right? Well then when they went to the suburbs, there's a reason the suburbs were concentrated within about a 30 to 40 minute drive of major Mm -hmm. metropolitan areas because they could commute back and forth They'd get up, drop their kids off at school. They'd go into work in the city. They'd come back from work in the city. You had transit lines pop up, AKA the light rail, the subway system, whatever, right?
0: I mean, Denver's still trying to put a light rail out to Boulder.
1: Right, so what happened was before COVID, the markets you could predict because the people were going to stay there, Mm -hmm. right? And the only time they were going to move was because if the job forced them to move, right? That was the big thing. So I could sit there and look at a market like, Call it Greensboro, North Carolina mm-hmm. versus Austin, Texas versus Lawrence, Kansas versus Denver, Colorado and predict with a very high degree of certainty. Hey, this is what the housing market's going to do yep. because the population is going to be static. Mm-hmm. To your point, when COVID hit and remote work happened, now all of a sudden people are like, holy shit, I can move. Mm-hmm. And there's not a way to predict where they're going to move other than saying, well, I guess in cheaper areas. Yeah, which are now going to get more expensive. But then as they move out of the more expensive <laughs> to the cheaper, then the more expensive gets cheaper. But then there could be certain incentives for businesses to house their employees in the more expensive states based <laughs> on the deal. So now you start to get all these different mm. extenuating circumstances and factors that muddy this idea of like, well, what are home prices going to do? We don't know. There's also yep. That's also the reason why you see – the East Coast rebounding faster than Mm -hmm. the West Coast, right? Um, I want to say FHA came out with their home price appreciation data for May, or for April, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. and by and large, the West, half of the United States still declined by about 1%, whereas the East Coast increased. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, because two years prior, the West Coast was stupid fucking expensive, so everybody moved to the Midwest, the East, the Sun Belt, Mm -hmm. and now those areas are blowing up, but there's not a way to predict it because if I'm a remote worker and I've got... 15 different cities I can move to that are all cheaper you're not going to tell me what-
0: no well and that's what I was going to say is, is uh, you guys heard me talk about this about a week ago, I think it was two weeks ago now about a week ago <laughs> that I went to visit North Carolina and obviously real estate agent I, I was curious so I started looking around the area mm-hmm. talking with friends about how they're doing and I had friends that were struggling and talking about properties that were two hundred fifty to $270,000 mm-hmm. I wanted to throw up Because it's it's almost like right now, if if I'm talking investment future-wise, if I had a position that was remote, that was paying me adequately, 100%, I would create a five-year plan, move to North Carolina, Mm -hmm. buy a property, sit on that equity for five years, move out, rent it, come back when I want. 100%. And it seems like with, with the way that information is being spread now we Mm -hmm. people have more availability to it right tiktok social media whatever it is more people are thinking that way more people are viewing it that way if i can go remote and do what i want to do when i want to do it right i'm gonna do it
1: yeah and i think the other piece of that when we talk about the prediction of hey what's going to happen in the housing market because of that same access to information right and we all and you you're on tiktok i'm on tiktok Mm -hmm. we have the youtube channel like everybody's competing for eyeballs right yes there's a reason that we try and do topical discussions aka mm-hmm. the the debt ceiling when we did the loan level price adjustment episode mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff right yeah. because we want to get the information out to you guys first I'll be yeah. honest we do that's the whole point right yep. with these predictions it's the same thing it's not clickbait but there's there's news sources and there's there's media sources that want to get the information out to the general public yep. and they sacrifice potentially accuracy for mm-hmm. eyeballs yep. because it's a for-profit business 100%. Right? So I think what happened is in January, this tidal wave of interest rates are high, way too high for people, even though they, for whatever reason, just ignored supply, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, and said, it's gonna drop, mm-hmm. right? And then everybody sat on the sidelines from January until March, essentially,
2: mm-hmm.
1: waiting for prices to drop, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second, spring buying season happened and prices were actually increasing? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Now all the predictions are the opposite. Right. Yep. So now they're oh, actually, home prices are going to increase because now we remembered that demand is a thing on the other side of the supply equation. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Like oh, there is demand still because people still want to buy houses. Like you don't want to live in your parents' basement. Yeah. I lived in my parents' basement for three months. I can't do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would buy a house. Yep. Do, do I have to sacrifice a little bit? Yeah. Can I pick up a side gig? Can I bartend? Can I do whatever to make it work? Can I cut down on expenses? I could probably make yeah, it work. People
0: don't want to. That's the thing. It's not about making it work, right? And that's ultimately we we hear about it all the time. Oh, you know, we talk about it as real estate agents just want to make the sale. Right. But at the end of the day, you, and you touched on it earlier. We're not trying to make anybody house poor. No, no, no. When, I'm, when I say make it work, what I'm saying
1: mm-hmm. is people are at the point where they want to own something. Yeah. Oh no, no You no, know absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah. And they will try to make it work mm-hmm. even with higher interest rates. Yes. And the predictions in the beginning of the year didn't factor that in. And then didn't mm-hmm. factor in the fact that we are still severely underbuilt Mm-hmm. Um, I, there's another statistic here that came out so over the last two years 18 million homeowners yep. right mm-hmm. refinanced to a lower rate and you said three years in the last two years two years right yep. there's around 230 million homeowners in the United States
0: and that statistic would be based on 20, 2020 and 2021, 2021 to 2022, 2022. Yeah. right yeah. but
1: they refinanced to lower rates so mm-hmm. which they were lower that's that 18 time. million homes that are not going to go on the market anytime soon yep because they're at a lower rate, so they have well, no reason to and, sell, And right? again,
0: that's, that's a great point. And that's I'm sure
1: 10% if, of the homeowners in the United States. Yeah.
0: yeah well, and, and that's, that's huge. It's, it's, it's such a great point because, you know, if you, if you are in the real estate market right now and you're looking and you're researching, you've probably heard people talk about supply, demand, inventory, interest rates. But at the end of the day, and we've touched on it multiple times already, people who got locked in at 2.8, 3.3, 3.6, I'm sorry but nobody in their right mind is going to refi is going to sell unless unless they're moving out of the state. Yes. Which again, demand supply, right? They're not going to put themselves in that situation. And now on top of not only the fact that they had 2%, 2.8 in those interest rates, home prices have continued to rise. Right. So okay, if I could have bought my home two years ago at $500,000 at 2.8%, cool. If I refi now, my home price, at least what we saw at Colorado tax evaluations, could be up yeah. 35 to 45%. So now that $500,000 home could be worth worth dollars to $700,000 at 7%. So when you have two things that are growing at the same time, it just doesn't make sense for the normal consumer for the family to sell and put themselves in that situation. Well, and to, to your point, right? Let's say I do want to move out of the state and I work remote. That's
1: mm-hmm. great. But we're not the only state with inventory constraints. Yes. It's nationwide. So mm-hmm. then I'm fighting the battle of, well, if I do want to move somewhere else, can I, can I buy a place there? Am I going to have to go into a bidding
0: war? Am yeah. I going you know... My, I'm
1: going to end up paying as much if not more out of pocket mm-hmm. than I would have if I just stay put, right? Yeah. Like we, we talked about it. Uh, my wife and I talked about it last night. We were... My goal... Right, is to own my home for five years, and I want to sell it and buy something on at least an acre, mm-hmm. five thousand square feet, somewhere where I just can't—I don't stare at my neighbors, right? Yep. But right now, we're at a three two five. Yep. So at a six seven five. I mean, we're talking four times literally my, double. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> stupid. It's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think people have to get creative. I. At the end of the day, if the question is like, "What's going to happen yeah. in the housing market?" Fuck, man.
0: So, so let me let me <laughs> ask: How, in your experience, what what would be, uh, how could we do better with supply? What what would lead to a better supply?
1: Uh, I mean, if you're talking Colorado specifically, it really depends, right? Because when you talk about home supply, there's two categories: there's single-family residents and then multifamily. Yep. Right. The problem right now is multifamily residences are a lot more profitable for people to build. Yes. Okay. So if I'm a developer and I'm looking at my two options and I've got, I don't know, call it $30 million that I want to spend, right? Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, I could either develop single family homes or multifamily. Well, zoning for one in Colorado uh, favors single family. Yep. But because of that, multifamily is much more profitable Mm -hmm. because it's far scarcer. Right. Um, we went to a seminar, what, a month and a half ago, whatever it was. Yeah. And I mean, Colorado is underbuilt 20% under every other ma- major metropolitan area when it comes to multifamily, mm-hmm. right? So if I have the money and I can get zoning to build multifamily, I'm going to build multifamily, Yep, which will help people that want to live in townhomes, condos, mm-hmm. duplexes, fourplexes, whatever. So the problem is you need to somehow make it. Make financial sense for developers to build what we need to build. Mm-hmm. And in Colorado, I think it's threefold. I think, yes, we need more multifamily because I think starting out, you know, you should, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, right? In Colorado, you should be able to buy a two bed, two bath, decent size, call it 1,100 square foot townhome with a little balcony. Mm-hmm. You should be able to buy one of those. For around two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand dollars, yes, 100%, I think, right, one hundred percent. No,
0: you're absolutely right. I think based you, on based on a a, a regulated even correct. equal market. Yes,
1: yeah, and it, from a single family home, mm-hmm. my first home. I so we, we just did this. I bought my house. What is it? Twenty twenty three. Now I bought the house in twenty sixteen. So what is that? Seven years ago. Mm-hmm. My house when I bought it as a starter home it was the first house we bought. It was a three bed, three bath. I want to say it was like 1,700 square feet with a backyard, unfinished basement. Basement was like, I think another 600 square feet. So okay. 2,400, something like that, right? Yeah. We bought it brand new uh, for $357,000, okay? That same house now in Castle Rock is a $600,000 house, mm-hmm. right? So do I think that's sustainable? I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask me like what, what we need. We just need more homes because yeah. as the supply increases, mm-hmm. then the demand starts to get satisfied. And as demand gets satisfied, home prices start to level out from single family. Yep. Multifamily, I think we'll see those level out here over the next year yeah. or so yeah. because there is a shit ton of permits that are slated to be complete. Not only
0: permits, but most multifamily are investment in second properties. Exactly. Which are going to be taxed yes. heavily.
1: Now, there is, a, there is a scary underbelly to this mm-hmm. <laughs> where... Uh, if you go back about three years, the banks, because if I'm a developer, right, and I want to yeah. build multifamily, mm-hmm. I'm still getting a loan from the bank. Yes. Well, the banks were kind of doing some very borderline sketchy loans when it comes mm-hmm. to multifamily because the return was so good. Yep. And there's a lot of mortgages that are getting due. And what's going to start happening is as more multifamily gets completed, mm-hmm. you're going to have rent decrease. Mm-hmm. Because people are, have more options well, and when rent decreases now all of a sudden, as those mortgages are coming due, these developers are looking at these multifamily homes and going, "Oh shit, I might not be able to pay this yeah. in which case, if they go bankrupt, then what
0: happens well and, and that's where i I think it's an interesting thing and, and and please please listeners, viewers don't don't get mad at me for this, but the only possible stave and hold off that I could see is going to be higher taxes and higher penalties on people in order to I don't want to say force them but you have a secondary property you bought it at 2.8% we're going to make you pay for that second property a little bit more than your main property because at this point yeah you know you don't The problem
1: is it's it's you you'd be you'd be reactive at that point right or retroactive yeah. Um, I think they did that. We talked about it last week a little mm-hmm. bit that, no, or maybe it was two episodes ago. I've been editing a lot of videos yeah. lately <laughs> where the interest rate on secondary homes, vacation homes has increased, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you have to have 25% down, 30% down. Yep. That makes sense. Um, I still think in my head, just as a as a counterpoint, that part of the allure of owning a home is being able to have an asset that you can't necessarily like turn into money immediately. Okay. But if I have the ability to own a home for five years, make my mortgage payments on time, pay my property taxes, do improvements on the home, live in it, raise a family, whatever it is, right? I I think I should be able to then five, six, seven years down the road take out a HELOC, mm-hmm. right? For $200,000 and go put that $200,000 down on a $600,000 condo on a lake mm-hmm. at 30% down and then rent that out and then make money, right? Like that's the whole well, purpose well, I mean that, of owning an of asset, day, that, you know exactly, what I'm saying? The American dream, right? So I think the my counterpoint is like I, I really do believe it is a very simple equation. And the simple equation is you we have to give some sort of uh, incentive mm-hmm. to spur housing construction yeah. specifically in single family mm-hmm. and affordable housing. Yep. Those are the two things I think we need to do yeah. because that's the other piece of this, right? Is we talk about affordable housing. Well, what affordable housing does is it still rolls into comps and it can still influence home prices, right? But they're not the most profitable things to build. No. So a lot of people will shy away from it because they're like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I'm doing it from a, to use your, your word, an altruistic standpoint mm-hmm. of like, yes, I think people should be able to afford something, and own something. But you got to remember who's building these are for-profit companies that are looking at it and going, dude, I could build an affordable housing and my ROI is return on investment, right? Is two and a half percent, right? Or my cash on cash return is two and a half percent. Or I could build a multifamily that is, you know, a class A, which means amenities, uh, upgraded finishes, et cetera. And my ROI on that is... 10 to 12%, right? Mm -hmm. Like think about it this way. And I I, I was listening to a great podcast about a month and a half ago and they were talking about multifamily class A, B, and C um, units, right? If I go from a class B unit, if I'm a developer and I'm building it, that means it is a condominium, basic amenities, maybe a clubhouse, blah, 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 okay? My ROI on that's roughly five, six percent. If I get rented out 75% occupancy, 80% occupancy, whatever, I can charge a certain amount of rent. If I turn around and invest a little bit more and make, take it from a class B to a class A, and my class A now involves a pool, a spa, a mm-hmm. rooftop, upgraded appliances, upgraded countertops, LVP flooring, et cetera, that 6% goes to 12 13 14
0: 15%. Welcome to Colorado.
1: Right? <laughs> now, what I left out is what are class C? Class C is affordable housing. Mm-hmm. So if I am a developer and I have purchased a plot of land much like this table, whoops, or this lovely barrel, and I want to build something on top of it to make money, and I have no other incentive other than I'm going to build it, I'm going to rent it out, and I'm going to reap the benefits. Why, in God's name, would I build a Class B or a Class C? Mm -hmm. What I'm going to build is a Class A, and I'm going to charge $2,400 a month in rent, and I am going to make a killing. So I think what has to happen is the government does need to step in and go, hey, here's the deal. We will subsidize you to build a Class B or a Mm -hmm. Class C, and we will make up some of that return on investment by rewarding you for building that type of yes. that type of property.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, and then the other factor, and I think Oscar touched on this last week, is like, you know, and the conversation started, is like where, where can we go from here, right? How do we get more? It's the fuck it episode, more we don't know. <laughs> well, and, and it's more or less like we're in this, I think we're in this stagnant waiting period. where we have the boomer generation, the great stalemate. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But we have the boomer generation Uh who, again, not going to refi, not going to sell. They've been in the homes. but Unless they die. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I'm sorry, but that's that's where I'm going with this, (laughs) is you have the largest generation coming up on the point where they're going to start passing away. And those properties are going to come available from the, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and unfortunately, if you think of a, you know, without government intervention, Mm -hmm. how could we affect the, the, the inventory? It's those moments. And also a lot of people are upset about the taxes that are going on, especially here in Colorado about secondary properties and stuff like that. Right. But these people who are again, for profit buying and building, if they bought at 2.8, and they intended to now fill that space, now that they can't because they just don't, they right. they you know they don't have the inventory for it, what's going to happen? They're going to start selling, and unfortunately, it seems like the biggest oh man this is going to sound so bad the biggest benefit to inventory is people suffering and not being able to afford their their secondary homes or investment properties.
1: Yeah. Uh, The other interesting part of this argument to me is when we talk about developers because they're driving Mm -hmm. our inventory, right? You said the word socialism (laughs) a couple episodes ago (laughs) and I'm sure people are like, "Oh, oh my God. Burn it down. Right? However, those same people are also complaining about home prices, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. but on the same same side and the fact if the
0: government steps, the in.
1: fact that developers are for profit companies is driving your home prices up, mm-hmm. but you don't but it, and if you do want the government to step in, I'm not really sure where you stand, right, and I think yeah. this is where my my comment um a couple of or when we were talking about taxes, I think is when it was. Yeah. And I said, it's funny because people only get butt hurt if it affects them. You know yes. what I'm saying? Oh, 100%. Like, you could sit there and, I don't know, complain about something. I don't just pick literally anything, Any, right? Hey, and anybody I can could, find anything to But I could about. look at you <laughs> and go, Charlie, it's fucking stupid. Like, just shut up, dude. Like, stop complaining. Mm-hmm. But... If the same thing happened to me, and then all of a sudden affected me, then the, you would be the first person I would go to, like, dude, I can't believe that happened. Mm-hmm. This is absolute bullshit. We should band together and write and blah 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 blah. Yep. What you guys have to understand is number one, the Rolling Stones wrote a great song. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You can't. You can't always get what you want. Oh God. Okay. I love the song, God. but you can't, right? You can't. You can't complain about housing prices but then trumpet capitalism yeah. and hate on socialism mm-hmm. because everything is so interconnected and interwoven that there's not a clear answer. And, and again, no. if you want an answer to what what would solve the housing crisis right mm-hmm. now, government subsidization yeah, on the housing market. Mm, 100%. So you know what would happen? Exactly. Every single developer and builder would be financed by the US government mm-hmm. to build as many houses as possible at the highest quality possible, as quick as possible, and then guess what would happen? You guys' home prices would go down, mm-hmm. right? Property taxes would go down. That's the
0: fastest way to do it.
1: But now the government's got a hand in your house. Mm-hmm. And it's my property. Get off my lawn. Mm-hmm. I got a rattlesnake on my flag. Yeah. Don't tread on me. Like, cool. That's great. And if that's what the viewpoint is, I 100% respect it, support yep. it, everything, right? Mm-hmm. But you got to understand that at the base level, the developers are building the buildings and they are running a business just like the banks are running a business, just like everybody is running a business. And that is the beauty. And it's, it's Occam's razor, right? Of capitalism. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to be on one side or the other. So I would tell you, like, as long as you continue to educate yourself, make sure you're on the right side. Right. My point earlier, if you're complaining about the secondary, homes and oh my god these people are my landlord and blah 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 government's taking too much then let's figure out a way to get you into a house so you can start to build equity five-year plan pull out a heloc then you buy your own rental property Mm -hmm. and then you rent that out to somebody yep Yep. now all of a sudden the shoes on the other foot the tables as it were are turned Mm -hmm. right uh and now you go well actually now i'm the landlord so i'm actually making money and wow now this is great well it is because you had the foresight to go this is what my plan is Exactly. you can't complain and go, well, I don't understand why my apartment rent is what are you what are you paying? 2000. Right. Do you have a what's your amenities like? Really uh, nice.
0: Nah, yeah, better than that. Mine were fan, like when
1: yeah. I lived I lived off Lone Tree in Ridgegate. Yeah. And I still miss that apartment cuz it was 1200 square feet, two bed, two bath. Um nothing crazy like granite countertops, but my amenities, I had a movie theater room. I had a resort style pool. Like yeah. when I say resort style, I'm talking cabanas with fans. Nice. Like a little shallow area with chairs. Standing umbrellas, fountains. Guarantee you that's at 3500 a month now. Right. But <laughs> when I was there, and this was, I uh, bought my house in 2016, so this has been 2015, we were paying almost $1,900 a month, mm-hmm. right? But the developers were incentivized to build that type yep. of residence mm-hmm. because that's what they made. That's where they made their money. They didn't build some bullshit thing with no pool and no balconies and no amenities. Mm-hmm. There's no money in it. So you can't complain and say capitalism is the world, but fuck you and my home prices. Like, no, dude, it's, they're tied in together. Like, that's just how it works. So if, if you can't figure out how to break the game, yep. right, and start over, then figure out how to play it. Yes. And have the foresight, the knowledge, do the research, educate yourself, mm-hmm. and figure out how, okay, yep, this is this is the rules. I'm not a big enough person with enough influence to change them, so how do I play within the rules to make it benefit me? Yep. Do that. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and that's the thing too is, is when it comes to home prices and, and, and regulation, them going up, down, whatever it is, again, there is a reason, and, and you've been talking about builders this whole time, right? But there's a reason that home prices continue to rise. We want to make money. We Everybody who sells their house is not going to sell their house for a loss. And as that continues to happen, you have one property that goes up, then the next property that sells is going to go up, and then the next property that sells is going to go up. This is the only natural progression to how home prices can go because everybody wants to make money and nobody's going to sell to lose money. So I have a client that embodies this perfectly, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Bought bought their house back in, I think it's 2019, 2018, 2019, right? Big house, over a million. And they went in and they beat up the The seller at that point on price, mm-hmm. like beat them up, got over three four hundred thousand dollars off the Damn. price of the house. Right, steal. Yep. So proud of it. Like, yep, this is what I did. My negotiation skills. Blah blah. I got it for a steal. Got it for a steal. Fast forward now. They're selling the house. Right. Mm-hmm. They list way over way what over. it should have been. Yep. Have complained the entire time, if we've as we've taken price drops, and the conversation was, I shit you not. Just because I beat up the previous owner on price doesn't mean that I'm going to get beat up on price. Have they improved the house? No. (laughs) Have they added any sort of additions or material square footage usable living space to increase the value of the house? No. All they've done is lived in it from 2019 to 2023 where you saw housing prices increase just based off of supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And now the conversation... Only four years removed is, well, I beat them up on price. I'm not going to get beat on price. Yep. Well, did you do anything to improve the property? Well, no. But that's the mindset. No, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Well, and
0: and, and <laughs> at the end of the day, like, don't get me wrong, I love to sit here and, and say, you know, and talk about it like, oh, we're, you know, everybody wants to make top dollar. Every, you know, nobody cares. It's just the money. But at the end of the day, self preservation is, sure. is the basis of our existence as mm-hmm. a human, right? And, at, and I'm sorry, but anybody, Anybody, I don't, I don't care who you are, you're not gonna take a loss on your largest investment Correct. that you've ever made in your life. And that's where we are with this whole supply and demand situation. We have low supply, but people know that there's high demand. And what does that lead to? Higher prices. Mm-hmm. And exactly like you said, they, they thought that prices were gonna go down specifically because demand was gonna go down. Interest right. rates are up. People aren't gonna right. be out in the market. Cool, we'll level out a little bit. But unfortunately, what we've seen is people are still capitalizing on the dollar and want to get top dollar for their home, as they should. You should. It's your investment. You should want to make all the money that you can. But as to Jameson's point earlier, we can't complain about it at this point because if everybody wants to make top dollar, it is going to, and excuse me, but trickle down to where prices are going to be elevated. And Colorado, honestly, like, I am so grateful that I live in such a unique market because we are one of the only places that have seen expansive Mm -hmm. home price growth during this growth through interest rates. Yes. And it's one of those things where now we're sitting at it and going, wait a second, Colorado is too expensive for Coloradans. Yeah. Like you see most people now wanting to leave Denver because they can't afford cost Mm -hmm. of living. But again, it's because... When they decide to leave, they're going, I'm getting mine. I'm selling my house for as much as I can.
1: Mm -hmm. Which you should. Yeah, absolutely. And that's
0: what what our job is to make sure you get that, right? Mm -hmm.
1: But again, expectations versus reality, something's very different. Yes. The other thing, I feel like people have forgotten about the housing market, right? Yeah. Because you look at other markets and you say, okay, the energy market, uh, crypto, stock market, Um, oil and gas, whatever it is, right? Tech, whatever it is people forget that the housing market is one of the few markets that is driven specifically by one of the basic human needs. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs) Like I feel like people forget that and Mm -hmm. they go, well, housing is a luxury. No, it's not a luxury. Mm -hmm. I was just outside. It was raining and hailing. Do I want a roof over my head? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do I need it to raise a family? Fuck yes, you do. Absolutely. Like that it it's just a thing. And I, I feel like as people are looking at this and they're complaining about home price and all these different things and wondering why predictions are off, like part of me thinks predictions are off because people just forget that housing is a basic human need. 100%. It is shelter. And that will never, ever, ever change unless we somehow
0: come up with the technology to put an invisible dome <laughs> I, over, I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sorry, but it comes to your point of a basic human need. Homeless people, and I'm sorry, Denver, it, it is and it has been an issue, and we're working on it. California, New York, even they, you look at, you look at, you, you drive down 25, look at almost any underpass, they have a tent. We think of homeless people as sleeping with newspapers. Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, I think. I, REI has got to be making a kill. Oh, 100%. Because I've seen some of the nicest, know, how, yeah. nicest tents, tents in some of these homeless
0: <laughs> right? encampments where it's like, bro, do you have a living room and a guest room? Yeah. On Dude, 225 I, I in legit, Mississippi? I like, legitimately like, saw somebody. <laughs> it looked like they had a whole kitchen set up. They had a stove. They, they, you know, like, easy like, bake oven. Yeah. They, 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 a smoker. They probably pulled it out of the trash. But, but, like, Bro, <laughs> is that a Traeger? But to your point... It's basic. Everybody yes. will need a place to live. Will, will, will want a place to yes. live. And I feel like people that
1: see homes and because there's an intrinsic value because it is a su- supply and demand. Yep. They wrongly assume, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just this to me. This is just one of the things that I've I've seen. Yep. They assume that housing is a luxury. It's a factor, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not a luxury. It is a necessity. Now mm-hmm. you can buy a luxury home. Yes. Right. And if you have the means to do so, then yes. Do you have a larger home? You know, I got friends that have bigger homes than I have. I have friends that have smaller homes than I have. Whatever it is based on your financial situation. But at the end of the day, it's a basic human need. And because it's a basic human need, it is one of a very small amount of markets that will consistently and only be dictated by supply and demand. Yep. That's it. 100%. It's like food, right? 100%. You need food, you need shelter. Yep. You roll in security, which is like
0: shelter. Um, It is is also one of the markets that is, and we've talked about it many times, as heavily influenced by emotion.
1: Yeah. Like, think about
0: it, right? Think about oil and gas,
1: okay? Mm -hmm. Oil and gas ebbs and flows throughout the year based on travel, okay? Mm -hmm. Travel is not a basic human need. No. If we wanted to, everybody in this country could just boycott traveling. Yeah. By and large. And when I say boycott traveling, I don't mean like commuting to and from work. I'm saying- Fuck you, Frontier stop. Airlines. Stop yeah. charging well, me for my
0: fucking bags and then making me sit in the thing. Don't. And then, and then being like, oh, it doesn't fit. No. Sorry. They were, they were voted
1: like second worst airline. Yeah, as they yeah. should.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm still going to fly you because you do have cheap tickets and I can get away with it, but stop it.
1: Yeah, and anyway. your tray tables are a joke. Okay? It doesn't even fit my fucking phone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, fuck you, Frontier Airlines. <laughs> I told you this is the fucking episode, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but- I'm not saying, like, you you boycott commuting to work, right? Mm-hmm. But you boycott vacations. Yep. Oh, well, but I like vacations. You like them. That's great. Are they a necessity? No. We could all, as a country, boycott and never take a vacation mm-hmm. for the next 12 months. You know what happened to oil and gas prices? We'd be back down to, like, 98 cents a gallon. Right. Oh. Because jet fuel is one of the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if nobody takes vacations, good. you can't boycott not buying or living in... Some sort of shelter. Mm-hmm. You can't boycott eating.
0: You can't boycott well, and it, and it's sleeping so funny because, it, and it, it's such a basic clothing. Premise. Like, well, it's such a basic premise to think that oh, if we can get enough people together, we can affect it. But what I meant by saying like the the housing market is so unique in the fact that yes, the housing market is depicted by the individual. Right. If the individual wants to make more money, the individual is going to make more money. Right. But at the end of the day, if the oil companies want to make money. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get an entire country of no, two to oh, one billion people plus going. I'm not going to buy gas,
1: but <laughs> but if you extrapolate and you go into the realm of impossibilities, mm-hmm. you could
0: oh right, po- yeah, absolutely you, could. absolutely, you could
1: not in the realm of possibilities prevent people from needing shelter. Mm-hmm. That's my whole point.
0: It, no, exactly, yeah, and and that that's exactly what I mean in the fact that it being an emotionally driven market. Right. It is controlled by us, ultimately yes. agents, the people selling the homes, yes. versus uh, corporate companies, big companies that that can regulate it and know. Oh, if I cut price here, but we control the housing market. Correct, we do. Like, and and as many people would want to say, oh, well, BlackRock's buying up all these single family and making it renter. It's going to be a renter state. No, I'm I, again if you decide to sell the BlackRock, yeah. we you've through. decided to sell the, the well, BlackRock. Well, and
1: we went through this two episodes ago where yeah. we said that homeownership's actually increased over the mm-hmm. last decade, right? Even with BlackRock, Zillow, Redfin, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting. It's
0: wild. So it's here, let, me, let me ask you this. like
1: for the, for the next year, what's your prediction?
0: I think that, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, overall, overall, it's, The rising home prices that they're talking about are 1% to
1: 2%. On the low end.
0: On on the low end, right? Zill is at 5 But... Moody's is about 4 If we talk about across the country, I'm going to say that people are going to be too scared based on political, economic outcomes to put such high loans amounts down that I think over this next year, we're going to see it slow down a bit, the market the inventory is going to be affected because at the end of the day, people are still sitting at 2.8, 3.2, they're not gonna sell. So I do see that the market's slowing down to a, to a point where the decision is gonna have to be made, either I take a lower price for my home, or I don't sell. Um, and that's just based on overall sentiment in the market right now. That, that's what I'm seeing, and that's what I'm predicting, but at the end of the day, I am I am at the bottom of the totem pole and I don't know how much money people have. So it could also be the reverse of even though home prices are increasing, people are still able to afford it and they're moving in and they're going to continue to increase. But ultimately, I think that we're going to stagnate. We're going to be continuing this great stalemate where home prices are going to have to level in order to sell.
1: I respectfully disagree.
0: <laughs> Go for it.
1: Um, <laughs> here's my prediction. I think... Once the debt ceiling gets settled, you're gonna see interest rates drop. I also think that as interest rates drop and inflation comes under a little bit more control and we start seeing that leveling out Mm -hmm. and we get to four, four and a half percent inflation year over year area, I think the bond market's gonna start to pick back up. I think that if, it's a caveat, okay? Bold prediction, I think home prices this year, back half of 2023, are going to go up, I'm going to say 5%, if one thing happens, if interest rates drop. I, I can agree with but that 100%. I believe that there is a caveat, oh, not caveat, that's the wrong word. There is a, a wealth of information that's going to start coming out over these next, call it six to 10 months, six to eight months, that are going to force interest rates down and in my head we are we already know that the threshold is if we dip below six and a half buyers come to the market mm-hmm. okay which means if we're at 6.4 we're gonna see an increase in buyers with continued limited supply yep. right if we go down to like high fives 5.75 percent it's free game at whatever at that point even more buyers are coming out yeah but we're still not low enough to unlock those people that are at a 3.75%, 100%. which is about 70% of the mortgages right now, yep. which means now I've probably increased my buyers. I want to say, oh man, I got to look at the stats. So please don't quote me on this, but it was something along the lines of every, oh fuck, every half a percent that the interest rate lowers brings about 100 to 150,000 buyers to the market. So from seven mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. six and a half. Six and a half to six. The fact that
0: we jumped to 23% mortgage applications when it went point. So in
1: my head, if I go, okay, well, we're at seven right now. Mm -hmm. So if we go seven to six and a half, six and a half to six, six to five and a half, if if inflation starts to level out, that's almost half a million buyers that are coming back to the market Mm -hmm. in the back half of the year, okay? So if half a million buyers come back to the market in the back half of the year, and we still don't have the supply home prices are going to rise they have to right mm-hmm. that's it like money's cheaper and we're not going to supply is not going to increase at the rate necessary no to match the decrease in no at no, all no, no. in um no in interest rates right no. so that's what i think that if you're looking to purchase a home you've got probably the next Three to four months, right? It's June, mm-hmm. July, August, September, October. I'd say through 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 September. September, yeah. You've got a prime opportunity, if you qualify and it makes sense for you and it doesn't kill your, you know, your monthly DTI and makes your house poor, to get a good deal. I think once we get through August, September, and those rates drop, mm-hmm. you're going to be spending an extra 30000 dollars on that house. One hundred percent. Because more buyers are going to come to the market. One hundred percent.
0: That's one hundred percent. And no, honestly, I, I, I'm right there with you. And the reason that I say that home prices won't increase is just because looking at what I think is the overall sentiment that people have with home prices with the real estate market right now, I think we're gonna see a rubber band snapback of people being a little bit more timid to go into the market with I, what interest I, rates are doing. I love this because we're on complete
1: opposite spectrums. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I see? FOMO. Okay, I see all these people on the sidelines, waiting, 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 waiting. Is the housing market going to crash? When is the housing market going to crash? I want to pick up a five hundred thousand dollars house for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Then all of a sudden, once the interest rates drop, and they go, "Holy shit, we're going the opposite way!" I've been sitting on the sideline for two years. Yep. Fuck it, I'm buying now.
0: Oh, don't I? I'll agree with you one hundred percent. If we get if we get low sixes to high fives. It's it's a free for all. It's going to be, and I think
1: we will because I think inflation will level out. I think the the debt ceilings now solved through twenty twenty five, so that's not on the radar. The Ukraine Russia thing I think is more along supply chain issue than Mm -hmm. anything else, right? Like, I don't think that's really affecting the housing market. Mm -hmm. I look at more domestic, right? Yeah. I look at supply chain for building, which we kind of touched on it last week, where not to get political, but because we've restricted the immigration flow, like we are going to have a workforce and labor force issue to yes. build all these houses. So I don't mm-hmm. think, that's why I was saying I don't think the the housing construction is going to keep up with demand if interest rates drop, no. right, at all. I, Which also I is why I there. think that the builder sentiment overall has increased over the last three mm-hmm. months because I think they're looking at the same thing. But if that's the case, that means you get cheaper money and by cheaper it's relative, mm-hmm. right? You get buyers that have, been experiencing FOMO and sitting on the sidelines, like mm-hmm. I'm waiting for it to crash. Then all of a sudden, if we hit six percent interest rates, guess what? There ain't no housing market crash, guys, people. Sorry, they've been waiting for the Sorry, market crash waiting. Since like, and it, it ain't happening, right? So now, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. It's a basic human need. I want to buy a house now because God forbid, in three years, it's even more expensive. Yeah, they're going to jump into the market. We still have a supply issue you start to well, see the markets calm down because of everything else domestically is going to kind of lower out we're going into an election year
0: and it's so it's so crazy to me and again we talked about interest rates and even with the LLP, llpas sorry not election year a ballot year election year is 2024 if we if we get in to this situation where with interest rates as far as if they drop the funniest part to me about interest rates is the most common thing is when people don't want to buy homes that's when interest rates drop. Yep. And when interest rates drop, that's when people want to buy homes. It's such a reactive market. It is. It's psychological, right? Which is why I've said time and time and time and time and time again. Oh, are you going to say it? Hold on, is this the trademark? It is. Oh, say it. Go ahead.
1: Time in the housing market beats trying to time the housing market.
0: So good, guys. It's so good. We got. Where's the shirt? Branding. We gotta do it. That's it, bro. Like I'm I'm telling you, man. Like it is
1: stop trying to pick the perfect opportunity Mm -hmm. and base it on your scenario. Get into a house if it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, don't fucking do it. Don't that's perfectly fine. But talk to a professional, figure it the fuck out. And if you can get in, and yeah, you might be at a six, seven, five, but God forbid, in eight months, if the housing market decides to correct and you start seeing 5.75, refi because most of the lenders i work with and you work with will do free refinance they won't charge you for it
0: yep oh this feels like a very good time to move into our one rock takeaway. (sighs) it feels honestly sorry guys like you said this is our fucking episode it is jameson and i are literally just chilling and shooting fish in a barrel (laughs) talking drinking some bourbon um but i think it's a good time to move into the one rock takeaway because if not I could talk to you. We could oh, talk dude, about yeah. yeah. Well, we're <laughs> in <laughs>
1: shelter, so we're, yeah. there's a storm outside. We're safe.
0: <laughs> drinking bourbon.
1: Drinking having bourbon. A good time. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good.
0: So I, I'm going to go ahead and give my one rock takeaway, and my one rock takeaway is what Jameson just said. Don't try and time the market. Understand what you're able to do, how you're able to perform it, and what will best benefit you, and you will be prepared for whatever the market does. And again, please recognize if you can't buy now, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That gives you time to save and plan even more. And I'll tell you what. If you come to a house with a higher down payment, a lot of the time that's going to help you out. So don't be scared. Plan. Expect it to be unexpected. And you'll be okay.
1: Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, Mine... (laughs) Goes back to the Rolling Stones. I gotta do it. I might do a song theme like every yeah. week. Uh, but you can't always <laughs> get what about you Adele want, last right? On, I did. Sorry.
0: What was, I, I cut you off there. What was it? Oh
1: shit. Uh, no, I was saying the Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. Okay. Mm-hmm. We as a society just want everything all at once at the same time, and we tend to put blinders on because. If you start to look at layers, it gets too complicated, which I get, right? And that's what our job is, and it's why we do this podcast, is to try and break it down so that you guys understand, like, it's not, very little in life is black and white. Would you agree? One. 100%. Right? Like, one, I, one, yeah. besides Michael Jackson's <laughs> song, Black and White, it's really, black right? and white. love it. Great song. <laughs> uh, It's not. And you guys got to understand that, like, when you're complaining about home prices, but then touting capitalism over something and, and throwing, going up in arms about socialism and gov- government subsidization, you got to understand, like, capitalism is driving your home values and your property taxes up. Mm-hmm. And the cure to that is government subsidization. Like, straight up. It's, it's the only not, possibility. Saying, not saying that's what I'm advocating for, but at the same time, if you guys want a solution, that's one of the solutions, which would mm-hmm. then be in a direct uh, argument with capitaliz- uh, capitalism, right? Because developers are in charge. So before you get angry and get on a soapbox and shout to the rooftops that blah, 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 whatever, understand that if you look at something, there is at least 10 layers underneath that you should explore before you formulate
0: an opinion. Yes. Educate yourselves, please. Yes. (laughs) Literally.
1: (laughs) Or listen to us and then don't take us at gospel, right? If you sit there and go, well, Charlie and Jameson were saying some weird shit on that episode. Yeah. Cool. Guess what? Check us because you have the world at your fingertips. He's said it before multiple times. Do the research. Take the time. And I guarantee you that if you spend just even 10 minutes a day researching a topic that you don't have fundamental knowledge in, you will be a better person. You will be able to have more intelligent conversations. You will be able to have or make more intelligent and reliable decisions mm-hmm. that in the long run will benefit you. Do it.
0: Unfortunately, that all comes down to a personal accountability, which is something that we we are lacking these days. But at the end of the day,
1: I love you all. I'm just I was gonna like, say dose like of reality, like, like st- fucking figure shit out. I still love Sorry. everybody,
0: but we need to get to the point where we accept that we we control our own fate. We control the outcome. Yeah, right? and
1: and I I, I want to make this point, right? When I say question everything, you you can question everything. <laughs> But do the fucking research, Back okay? It up, don't question Back it up. just to question. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can question all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just asking a bunch of questions and I don't have any fundamental knowledge of a potential answer or a different viewpoint, yep. then I'm doing nothing but just adding bullshit into mm-hmm. an already bullshit-filled atmosphere. <laughs> and it's it's muddying the waters because it, it's yep. bullshit, right? 100%, 100%, like, do 100%. the research, ask the questions, Get educated and understand that like when you're talking macroeconomics, microeconomics, mm-hmm. the housing, any market, anything, anything from a financial standpoint, there there's a lot to unpack. And we can only yes. do so much. We want to give you guys as much information as possible. We do it while drinking bourbon, you do it while drinking wine, vodka. I doesn't matter. Whatever Tequila. It is. No, I don't whatever care. Whatever your advice is, you can do it and yo. I don't don't give a fuck. Just do it. Like
0: put the effort in. Yep. 100 percent And uh, on that note, I think it's time to move into our bourbon review. Deal. Right, um <laughs> guys, this gave you such a unique introspection into how legitimately our, how, how our brains, we, brains work. Well, no, how we started this podcast. <laughs> True, because it, yes. this is this is it. We're sitting down, we're having a conversation, and normally our, our episodes are more structured to again bring information to the consumer. Yeah, but this is kind of fun. I like the bullshit episodes. Well, and th- and that's the whole thing is like. We are we are normal citizens. And we just have a specialization. Yeah, we, we in real we estate. Just, yeah, so exactly. And this is if you're having conversations like this with your family members, your loved ones, your friends, that is a beautiful thing. Yep. And and I'm Couldn't so excited to be a part of it. Yep. Right? Couldn't encourage, encourage um, it more. On the Bourbon Review, I don't like this. <laughs> 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 I poured a second glass um, because I. Don't, I don't, I don't, like <laughs> I don't like this i i poured a second glass because i was like you know what maybe after the first one the second glass will get a little bit better
1: matthew mcconaughey i'm sorry but,
0: <laughs> but again i i'm i don't I, i'm biased at this point for it to have the label of a small batch yes i think that's be, what kills it for me too yes. if it was just long branch exactly cool. exactly because but the small batch gives it it's supposed to elevate. You need it. yes. You need a, something. Yes. Yes. And I feel like I, I was hoping for the second glass. I was hoping for it to be oh maybe I let this open. It's sad a little bit, and it's gonna give. No. <laughs> I, I as far as the bourbon goes, my bourbon review. If I'm if I'm going to give a rock rating on it, I'm gonna give this a, a, a six point five to a seven, only because I almost feel. Insulted. I was gonna say cheated. Yeah, it, it, that this has small batch on the bottle. Yeah, I agree. Based on the other small batches that we've had. Yeah. So, it, it, again, for somebody who is new to bourbon, for, yes, if you wanna show up and you get, yo, I brought a small batch, we're, we're drinking good. Yeah, if you're a baby back bitch. <laughs> To people who,
1: if you buy this. up with
0: your friends at a- at Just a, make sure
1: your friends have never drank a small batch that's, well, that's
0: what I was going to say. Is like If you show up at a fire and you're like, yo, I brought a small batch. I got I got the shit, guys. And they don't know bourbon. They're going to be like, yeah, small batch. But if you're a bourbon drinker and you pick this up and you're expecting a small batch, especially with the age. And that yeah, that's what years. blows my yep. mind. Eight years and yeah. the complexity so I think, isn't
1: there? I think the next, next week I'm going to do the Russell 10-year. Okay. Um, cause we haven't done that yet mm-hmm. and apparently it's got great reviews, but yeah. it's, it's age two years. That's a Kentucky bourbon. I don't know what they did with the small batch, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. Like it leaves a
0: lot to be desired. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is definitely the bourbon that you, you say you bought a small batch. Like this is a small batch bourbon, but I, and I, and maybe we've just drank too good of small batches in the past. No, because I, I disagree.
1: I think if, I I, I I disagree with that statement. I agree with your previous that if it says small batch on the fucking label, mm-hmm. you expect yes. something. Yeah. So yeah, it's six, five, seven. So mine, I, I've done car analogies too. I do a lot of analogies on the show. I'm sorry. But they're great. They are good. I keep doing them. They are good. So I, <laughs> you got the Camry, right? Yep. Cool. Reliable car. It's a family car. Seat's five. It's got the, Amenities, right? But it is what it is. It's a fucking Camry, and then they went ahead and slapped an RS on it, (laughs) right? Yes. And they went, all right. Here's what we're gonna do, guys. In the production meeting, we're gonna take this car. We're gonna make it fucking cool. What are you gonna do? You gonna add horsepower? Fuck no. What about suspension? (laughs) Meh. What about? What about? uh, What about like a stick shift? (laughs) Hell no. Our clients don't drive stick shift. They're automatic. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna fucking give it black rims a body kit and a spoiler and I'm going to put a red stripe on it and I'm going to charge $20,000 more. Yeah. Yeah. I that's agree. what that's what this is. I agree. And that's what this is. Like if this would have been Long Branch done. Yes. Like Wild Turkey but a different spin on it with yeah. the mesquite charcoal and the American mm-hmm. oak barrels, then I'm good because yes. my expectations are it's Wild Turkey elevated. So it's like <laughs> Extra wild turkey. I don't know, like a bigger wild turkey. Yeah, I don't know. We yeah. have them running around Larkspur. They're fucking massive. <laughs> Idiots crossroad all the goddamn time. I probably killed like eight. But you put small batch on it. Yeah. And I go, I want something mm-hmm. more. Yes. And I, we just, we didn't get it. No. Can I sip it? Sure. I'll be honest though. Price point wise. It's not bad. This, no, I disagree.
0: For, uh, okay. Based on the small batch. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I think this should be priced at, like, 35 bucks. I was going to say 32. Right? Not 45. No. Right? Because I can pick up an Elijah Craig Mm -hmm. for 44. Mm -hmm. Just an an Elijah Craig. Not single barrel, not single barrel select, just Elijah Craig. The Angels Envy that we had was Uh, $44. Larceny Larceny, is $29. Mm -hmm. And I, again, I, you know, I love you, Matthew McConaughey. Again, everybody go watch Rain of Fire. It's a great fucking movie. (laughs) But. To charge forty-five bucks for something that is a small batch that doesn't taste like a small batch, yeah. I just I can't get on board with, it, dude. So I I, I I would I would match it. I'd say a seven. Seven. Right? Because I look at this, I'm like, my expectation would be I would compare this to like Woodford Reserve. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all right, it's it doesn't it doesn't pretend to be something it's not. Yep. But it's still flavorful. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Mm. But Woodford was like a four. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This mm-hmm. doesn't touch it. No.
0: No. And and, and it just comes down to the flavor overall. Yep.
1: 100%. Zero complexity. Yeah. It doesn't taste like an 8-year aged. It doesn't have the alcohol content or the proof of an 8-year, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have the uniqueness that you would expect from a small batch.
0: The one thing that I can give it credit for is the difference in the smoke taste. Sure. That's the mesquite one thing, charcoal. Yes. You can 100% taste taste the bitterness of yeah. that of that change mm-hmm. in the in the But it's not enough to No. No not to constitute yeah. a small batch of label with a 45. Yeah.
1: If you're if you're a beginner listening to this or watching this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I could I could probably point you to a different bourbon mm-hmm. like a Larceny or Elijah Craig for a little bit cheaper that I think you would enjoy more. Yeah. 100%. You know. 100%. But if you like wild turkey and you want a little bit more? Sure. Yep. Could I I mean I could pass this around a bonfire and just drink it straight from the bottle.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: 100%. 100%. And feel a little bit better about myself than if it was Jack Daniel's. Yes. 100%. 100%.
0: Well, on that note, guys, thanks for hanging out with us on this on this episode. I know it was a fuck it episode, but I enjoyed it. It was. It was I nice. like fuck it episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was good relax, good talking, conversation. Bro. Yeah. Guys, remember, you can catch us at, on YouTube at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. Subscribe, like, follow, comment, um, and then you can get in contact with us at RESOTR at The Mile High Perspective.
1: Yep. Or give us a call 303-578-0263.
0: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. We'll, uh, we'll we'll come back prepared for you. With a better bottle of bourbon. Yep. Cheers. Got nothing in there. <laughs> Suiting. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective.